Hi, I'm Callie. I'm Clarissa. And I'm Isha. And we're Best Buds. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode about politics. I know everyone is probably tired of hearing and reading and talking about this topic, but it's honestly just too relevant to skip over. Again, we're going to put a few disclaimers at the beginning of this. So all of our views are pretty left-leaning, and we're probably not going to put too much effort at trying to remain neutral or unbiased. We're also recording this on November 7th, so the election hasn't been officially called yet. But, you know, hopefully by the time we release this next week, there will be some news from Nevada. Um, and we're also, again, all Asian American females, and we recognize that our voices don't speak for other minorities whether they're also Asian Americans or other groups of minorities. So what's the election looking like right now, guys? Well, we've been waiting on uh, a few states to call the election right now. Um, it depends on which organization you look at, but um, right now we're waiting for Nevada, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, and um, Arizona, depending on which news organization. Okay, so I'm looking at New York Times right now. It still says 253 versus 214 with Biden up because I don't think they've counted Arizona yet. Um, but the ones we're waiting on, Georgia, North Carolina, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Georgia's up by around 7,000 votes, which is kind of crazy, but they're almost done counting. North Carolina, Trump has solidly won. Arizona, Biden's up by 29,000. Um, and Pennsylvania, almost the same thing, 28,000. And then Nevada, he's up by 22,000. So as long as he, he, he only needs Pennsylvania to win, but he can also win a, num a number of other states in order to get to that 270. Mm. I also like, I woke up this morning and I was like scrolling through my newsfeed and I saw this like New York Times headline where it was like, a lot of major news outlets like NBC, ABC, CBS, mm -hmm. they all cut out of Trump's like White House speech last night because of like the amount of like baseless claims he was making oh the whole night. And they were like, we can't broadcast this with a good conscience. So they just like cut out of the speech. And I was like, it's really come to that point where he's not winning. So he feels like the whole world is like against him and like, everything is not going in his favor so it must be something wrong with other people not with the like himself and I think that just says a lot about his presidency especially as it comes to an end I think it's a good summary of the way he's run this country so far mm -hmm. and we'll be talking more about that later a lot more <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I'm it's been like what five days since election day and honestly I'm very happy with the way things are at the moment and I remember in the beginning we were all pretty panicked because it seemed like Trump was really going to win and especially in a lot of the key swing states and I remember on the first night we were all going to bed like really stressed out I remember Isha was like at like 10 p.m she's like guys I'm too stressed I can't handle this I'm going to bed <laughs> we're like good night Isha <laughs> um but yeah even the morning after that it really wasn't looking too good and it was I remember our high school friend Umara posted something on her Instagram story and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it because she says it so eloquently she said if Trump wins think about what that says about the U.S. after a year of such violent civil unrest racism prevails COVID-19 has derailed lives 
the U.S. still doesn't believe in science. Irreversible damage is being done to the earth. Climate change is denied. No matter how many facts you present, people just don't seem to get it. So where's the disconnect? Or are we beyond saving? And like, I remember reading that and it just hit really hard because after such a mess of a year and like the past four years and we still wanted to vote him back into office. And then like, I guess things eventually started to turn around and we all felt more optimistic. And when Georgia turned blue, we were all like, yes, yes, Georgia, you go. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm definitely relieved at how things are turning out, but like, you know, knock on wood, because this isn't over yet (laughs) when we're recording this. But yeah, at the same time, I'm definitely terrified. And I think one of the scariest outcomes of this election would truly have to be how insidiously close it was. Like, we're all happy that Biden is winning, but like, when you peel that back and really look at the situation, like, how much is he really winning by? And the fact that after all the atrocities this presidency has put this country through, many people still voted for the incumbent, which is like, it's just like an abusive relationship. That's terrifying. (laughs) And I had had a long conversation with my sister about this the morning of um, the election. And maybe there are people who voted for Trump because they genuinely believe in the America that he created, one that's, or not even the America he created actually, the America he revealed that existed beneath like a surface of like, or like Mm -hmm. a facade basically. Um, One that's steeped in racism and bigotry and hatred and inaction. But I think many people who voted for Trump did so out of pure selfishness. Um, Like under Biden, they would have to pay more taxes or under Biden, they would have to forego their own privileges to ensure the rights and privileges of other people. And I say these things in like quotations because largely they're just like baseless claims, but fundamentally people have chosen themselves and their own needs over the millions of people who wouldn't survive another four years of Trump. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that reminded me of the meme that we were talking about (laughs) while writing this yesterday. And it was like, if you're a college kid living in a crusty ass frat house, I promise you Biden's tax plan is not going to affect you, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And this entire year, and like, frankly, the past four years, have slowly picked away at this country's ugly truth that more than a country, we're just an aggregate of self-interested individuals with no compassion for anyone beyond ourselves, which kind of goes back to what Umara was saying about, are we really beyond saving? Is this who we are built to be? Like, just people Mm -hmm. who are only worried about our own outcomes and not the outcomes of other people. Mm -hmm. Watching the election gave me so much stress. Um, Yeah, because like Callie said, it looked like Trump was going to win a lot of swing states. And as I was watching, I just like kept thinking about how sad and disappointed I was. Like, I think I kept sending Callie like, I'm so sad, like every like (laughs) 10 minutes. Um, Because I think part of me likes to believe that Trump only won last time because people didn't take the election seriously or they didn't take him seriously. But even after like four years of this mess, like totally mismanaging the virus, um, perpetuating supremacy, uh, perpetuating white supremacy and misogyny, uh, Mm -hmm. people would still vote him back into office and like, for what? Um, And like at that point, it's deliberate and it can't be excused by thinking like, oh, maybe he deserves a chance. Like maybe he will be good for America. Like we've seen what he's done and (laughs) it has not been good. So I think the worst part for me was how resigned I felt when I thought he was going to win. Like, I feel like 
over the past like four years, Democrats have said so many times like, oh, this will save us, like there will be a blue wave, it'll be okay. Or like, just wait for the votes in blah, blah, blah County to be counted. And like, so far it hasn't been holding up. Um, but as of now, I feel optimistic and kind of excited to not have Trump as president anymore. Knock on knock wood. On wood. Uh, like imagine having a stable government with no more ridiculous drama, like, wow. <laughs> Also, though, I just want to say that I'm sad that we didn't get to watch the election together in person because it would have been so much fun to get through the stress by like cramming into a dorm room and like ranting about politics together. So I think that's just another tragedy of 2020. I agree. I also think that like just ushering in a blue wave is like not going to change like the problems that Trump's presidency has like exacerbated, right? Like. Mm -hmm. Democrats are not the saviors this country needs like what they what they're doing is they're they're changing like the way in which like Trump has set this country up in like such a polarizing way right like right now there's like a fundamental disconnect between what we believe as like fact and what is fiction like what is truth and what is not that's like where the disconnect lies right now ushering in like Democrats into office is not going to change like the problems we have with healthcare or the problems we have with racism like that's that's all still there but like that changes things such that like we can actually make some progress I think that's an important distinction to make as well mm -hmm. so now we want to talk a little bit about um, voter turnout and also how different demographics voted so there have been a lot of posts about how different demographics um voted in this election and I thought they were really interesting. Um, so there was one particular post floating around Instagram that was like, what would the electoral college look like if um, only blank voted and like blank would be a different group. And it was so notable that, uh, so people of color overwhelmingly vote for Biden, like the entire map is just blue. Uh, while the map for white people is like pretty overwhelmingly red, like it's not all red, but it's like pretty red. So I don't know, I think that's pretty telling. And also the gender gap is huge. Like uh, we learned in AP Gov about the gender gap, but in that class, they kind of gloss over it. They're like, oh yeah, like women tend to vote democratic by like maybe 2% or something. But then when you look at the map difference for men and women, the map is almost entirely blue for women and the map is almost entirely red for men. So like that's huge. And it makes me think like, what does this say about our country and the parties and how they've been affecting people. The fact that women and people of color overwhelmingly recognize that Trump has harmed them and yet like white people and men and especially the map for white men like still persist in voting for him, it makes me feel really sad and disappointed in our country. And as a disclaimer, this isn't to say that like all white people or all men or all white men voted for Trump. This is just to say that like trend-wise a majority tended to vote for Trump um, in a lot of states mm -hmm. but I don't know like even if you're not actively racist or sexist yourself voting for a president like Trump it tacitly supports these ideas and perpetuates them in our country and by voting for him you're still saying that you're okay with it even if you're not actively engaging in this yourself mm -hmm. so it's still problematic and it's still leading to um, the continuation of these problems yeah, and I'm thinking about when we were recording the gender gap and we were looking up like 50 things that Trump has said about women and they're just so disgusting that I don't know how any woman like can support him. 
or even like males who support women and like women's rights and feminism and all that shit like it just baffles my mind honestly Mm -hmm. I saw this tweet where it was like how can people like believe Trump when he says there's voter fraud with zero like evidence and then not believe um people who say that he sexually assaulted women with 26 allegations (laughs) doesn't make sense you know but another thing I really hate about the way news outlets portray which candidates win certain states during the presidential election is that the whole state turns either red or blue which makes people visually conflate like electoral college points with popular support and that's so misleading because if you look at the map right now even though Biden has like a majority of the electoral college like points the map isn't like is it's still overwhelmingly red and that's because like those states in the middle vote red and that makes it look like only the coasts are like blue and the middle is red and like if you just look at how the map looks visually like you think oh like everyone supports trump but if you break it down like by like the people like states don't vote people vote right so it would be a lot better i think if news outlets use the maps that like showed pockets of where like certain people voted rather than like just assigning a state to a color. I think that's really misleading. Mm -hmm. Also, I just wanted to mention though, like the one good thing to come out of this election was the relatively high voter turnout. I think right now the projected turnout for this election is 67%, which is the highest it's been in a long time. I don't know the specific statistics, but we should include this brief um, pocket of positivity in our (laughs) podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I remember before the election seeing like these like infographics about like last election, like more people didn't vote than did vote. And so there's like a huge, I mean, I think they were pretty close in terms of uh, percentages. And I can't tell you the exact statistics, but it was like very significant. So yeah, so there's like a huge pocket of people who could be voting, but aren't. So it's really not surprising that more people are showing up. You think our podcast episode last time we were like, go vote. You think that increased the voter turnout by one or two? (laughs) I feel like... Uh, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but hopefully everyone who's wa- listening to our podcast was already registered, already had a plan. Yeah, I believe in our friends, and I don't think anyone besides our friends are listening to these. So, yeah. okay, moving on to Trump's post-election victory claims. Fun one. <laughs> so, even though the election has yet to be called, four days after the election, Trump literally declared victory on the night of election day, even though a lot of votes had yet to be counted. So that in itself is problematic. Like you can't just declare yourself the winner and have no proof because that's tyranny and not democracy at all. But that's how he's been backing up all his other claims for the rest of his presidency too. So are we surprised? Not really. (laughs) Um, But beyond that though, he's also been trying to undermine democracy by ordering states to stop counting ballots even though these are legitimate ballots. And to this point, there's no evidence of tampering or fraud at all. Um, I saw a meme that was like from the guy who brought you, the reason why there are so many (laughs) cases is because we're doing too many tests. Comes the new hit single, I'm only losing because they're counting all the votes against me. (laughs) Clarissa and I were talking about 
how it's like sitting next to your professor when they're grading a test and telling the professor to only count the questions you got right and then not grade the questions you got wrong. Like that, it doesn't work like that. So my mom told me she saw a video of Trump supporters protesting outside of ballot counting places in different states. And like in Arizona, they were shouting, count all the votes. And in Michigan or something, they were shouting, stop the count. And democracy doesn't work oh like God. this. Like you can't only say the things that you agree with are valid and not voter fraud. And then like the things that you don't agree with are just like, I don't know, someone came in and dropped off like 20,000 votes for Biden. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, this is not how anything works. And this is just called deliberate ignorance. So also, who's the one trying to suppress voters um, and tamper with the results? Hmm, I wonder. Oh my god, yeah. I was watching Trump's press conference, I think on election night, when he was like, they're trying to like disenfranchise my supporters and not count their votes, and this is bad, and we will never let it happen. But like, but like, buddy, like, who is who is trying to disenfranchise who? Like, riddle me that. Like, the Democrats have been trying to count all the votes all along, and Republicans only want to count certain votes and not mail-in ballots, which tend to be blue. So they're like, who's who's disenfranchising who here? I'm just baffled. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. I'm pretty sure he doesn't know how to spell disenfranchise. <laughs> you know, we shouldn't hold it against him if he doesn't really know what that means. Oh my goodness. But the funniest thing to come out of this entire counting debacle is that like it perfectly represents how fanatic Trump supporters are. Like they're basically echo chambers for his senselessness and they'll say whatever comes out of his mouth and repeat it like a broken record. And it's almost as if like shockingly, they don't think for himself think for themselves before repeating his like BS. And I'm like, this is a perfect example of that. Um, But the scary thing about all of his claims of voter fraud are that people are believing in it. And he's sowing seeds of distrust in our democracy, which is so dangerous. Like even if he loses, that's gonna leave our country so divided. And like, I don't know, people aren't gonna care about it anymore. And I don't know, we were talking about it last night at dinner and my mom, who's like, who's like not very politically aware, just like tells us things that she sees that she sees on WeChat, right? She was like, like the integrity of this country is like dying. Like you you never know who you can trust and who you can't trust anymore. Like you you can't trust either of the candidates. And I'm like, just watching that was really sad because I don't know what are we going to do if nobody believes in the democracy anymore? That's like the very Mm -hmm. foundation of our country. And he's just, he's leaving office and ripping everything apart as he goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I was so sad when, like, you know, I saw his claims. Because like, you know, before, like, as much as the two parties disagreed, at least we agreed on the system by which we use to elect people in power. Mm And, like, now it looks like we don't even agree with that. And Mm -hmm. so, like, at that point, like, what do we have in common? Like, if we don't even share, like, a fundamental system or an organization for our country, like, we don't have anything left. Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, really scary, the way you brought that up, like, to even think about that. Like, I think I'll talk about this a little later. I have it written somewhere in the stock, but, like, in our policy seminar, we talked about like what it means to be American. Mm-hmm. And people were saying at first that 
It's about subscribing to a common set of American values. Like, it doesn't matter if you have citizenship, it's if you identify as American. But at this point, like, what does that even mean? Like, what set of common values do we have? And what's holding us together as a country, just apart from us all living, like, geographically, geographically in the same area? Like, there's no, like, common sense of unity that's, like, allowing us to come together. And we find every like way and reason to be divided, which is like a really scary thought. Um, something to to ponder on a Saturday morning. Very, it's very terrifying. Like wondering how long it's gonna take to heal the damage that one man has done in the past four years. Like it's gonna take so long to undo all the damage that he's done. I think the scary thing though is that this wasn't damage that he perpetuated himself, right? It wasn't something that happened over the course of four years. It's been building it's up. Been and there. I think he was like the cam- the straw that broke the camel's back, you know? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> just a brief interlude. I know we already talked about this two episodes ago, but it bears repeating, the Electoral College sucks. Uh, I would like to say that as of um, recording this podcast, Biden has... A little more than 4 million more popular votes than Trump and the election still can't be called and this may come down to the opinions of like a couple thousand people in five states. Uh, And we want our country to be equitable and representative of the people, but the very system by which we use to elect the highest leader is deeply inequitable. Um, There have been posts on Instagram talking about like, you know, the states that have um, fewer people tend to have higher representation per capita just because of um, how the things are allocated because um, like electoral college points are basically allocated by how many senators you have plus how many house of representatives you have. And since every state has two senators, um, this like divides out to be like people with, like this divides out to be where states with fewer people have more representation per person. So the problem with this is that um, areas that are more diverse also tend to be areas with more people. Um, so places with high amounts of minorities tend to have um, less representation. And so this is problematic for our country and representing all the voices involved. Um, yeah, so that's just my brief spiel on why the electoral college sucks and why we need a new system, even though I don't think any candidate is ever going to reform. You said that the system is like deeply inequitable, but it was designed with that intention in mind because like the Mm -hmm. founding fathers didn't want to give like the common people like too much power in electing a leader because they felt like they were, they didn't have like the intellectual capacity to do that or they weren't informed enough to do that. Um, but the times have changed. So, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so this next section, um, which is called Cali Stocks Conservatives out of genuine curiosity, um, is actually the majority of this episode because I just, I just have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot to say. So as a background, I've been reading through like Fox News, finding right-wing people on TikTok and Instagram just to see what they say because I'm like honestly genuinely curious to understand why they think the way that they do and especially young women and especially young women of color like that just kind of baffles my mind I don't I just don't understand how they can support Trump because his racism and his misogyny are just so blatant and obvious that like I just I I don't comprehend 
But I also, okay, so as some disclaimers to the section, I also do think that it's important to clarify that not all conservatives or Republicans are necessarily Trump supporters, because I know he's like a deeply problematic person that I'm sure a lot of people just don't agree with. Um, and also, I, I just truly don't know enough about the economy or taxes to really have an educated, like well thought out position on that. So I'm going to be focusing mostly on social issues. And as a third disclaimer, I'm definitely reading all of these media sources with a biased mind and listening critically instead of openly. And I turned to like the news or like social media to get a sense of conservative views because I personally live in a very liberal bubble where I honestly don't think I know like a single Republican identifying person or at least someone who's like outrightly Republican who I would feel comfortable enough to like sit down and have a conversation with. So with all of those disclaimers out of the way, I feel like from what I've seen, at least, which again is like a very biased, a very limited view, is that their primary priority is protecting individual rights against like the big, big bad government, their moral arguments and the whole idea of like national pride. And I feel like these are the major underpinnings of a lot of their arguments. And we'll go through them and we'll just like talk about them a little bit more, you know. Like, the whole idea of free enterprise when it comes to business, but then giving the government control over, like, people's sexual choices, women's rights, like, marriage rights, it's mm -hmm. just so hypocritical. So I'm actually really interested to see what you found when you, like, dug into these conservative outlets and people who, like, have conservative viewpoints, because I see, like, the base of, like, the Republican Party as, like, being very hypocritical. And I'm wondering like what you found. So I'm excited to hear. Okay. So speaking of individual rights, like a large part of it is free speech, right? The right to say whatever you want. And as we talked about before, there's a difference between having your own opinions and having the right to voice your opinions and disrespecting another person's existence. Um, but I think another thing about this is that they feel even more strongly in their positions because they're judged by others if they're openly expressing their opinions. So, you know, in their minds, they're like the good guy underdogs in quotation marks. And I can honestly see how that kind of has like a psychological weight. And that, I guess, like story-like trope just has such an appeal that I can see why it makes them even, like believe even more strongly that like, you know, we have a right to free speech, we can say what we want. And these people who are trying to silence us can't beat us, you know? Um, but honestly, like, if you're being called out for being racist, I don't think that makes you a good guy underdog. You know, I think that just, yeah, what well, you're kind of racist, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like the idea of like, I'm one of the good ones, you know, like, oh, like, that's not me. I'm not racist um, or a sexist. Like, that's other people. And they think that their arguments are just logical and justified. Like, I think in the documentary 13th, they make the point that like, I mean, slave owners didn't think they were racist either. They just thought mm -hmm. that this was the natural order of things. But I think at the same time, people need to think, like if you're a straight white man saying like, I'm not racist and what I want is what minorities want, like doing that is just another example of silencing minorities um, in the name of like your quote unquote free speech. And like, this is not to say that white men don't have the right to have an opinion, but it is saying that people should listen and emphasize and try to recognize that if someone is telling you that your opinions are causing them harm, 
like maybe you should think about that instead of immediately being defensive and calling them a snowflake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like all of us have experienced having that one kid in our seminar class or um. <laughs> class who just like plays devil's advocate for the sake of like playing devil's advocate, especially when it comes to like talking about social issues that affect people who are in the class. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you don't have like the right to play devil's advocate when your opinion obviously causes harm or like makes someone feel upset. And it's like, there's that level of like empathetic disconnect, which I just don't understand. Like if clearly someone is upset by like your opinions because they're the ones who are experiencing these injustices, like think again about like the way you you perpetuate your opinions or the way that you just try to like provide an alternative perspective for the sake of doing so. Mm -hmm. Very insensitive. I really like dislike the term snowflake that uh, at least Trump supporters like to toss around. They're like, oh, well, you're just too sensitive. You liberals are just snowflakes. But the thing is like, that's like the idea of saying like, you know, like if you hurt someone and then you're like, well, I'm sorry that you reacted that way. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like you're putting the blame on the other person instead of thinking about what role that you played in it. And that's deeply and inherently like not empathetic to um, immediately go like, oh, well, you're just oversensitive instead of saying, oh, well, maybe there was something that I could change, you know? And I think that also bears (laughs) um, noting. Yeah, just thinking about like, the psychological dimensions of having these conversations which again I haven't had because I don't I I honestly don't know if I could think of a single Republican person in my life um but yeah I think that's just interesting and we'll talk a little bit about that later too um but also moral arguments as kind of like a code for like religious arguments and at least the TikTok accounts I've stalked which is definitely not to say like all Republicans are all conservatives um but yeah they used a lot of religious arguments to back up their claims and you know from my perspective I honestly just don't understand why religion is so important um and I know that's is it's because I'm not a religious person myself so I can't really comprehend the role it can play in someone's life like if it's important in your own life that's fine but like but is it really so important that you need that you feel the need to like impose your religious beliefs onto others right and I feel like the the freedom of religion is literally so basic and so fundamental in this country and you know their views about like God saying gay people are sinful like cross the line and it's so obvious to me that I don't understand like how these religious arguments are even being still thrown around right um and you're allowed to practice your own religion but if you're saying that the lgbtq plus community shouldn't be able to marry who they want or that they shouldn't even exist like i don't i just don't understand why people are using religious arguments to try to make other people abide by their religion right also like does a gay person getting married affect you at all? Like, no, like no one's forcing you to marry someone of the same sex. So I don't (laughs) understand why you care. I mean, yeah. Also, I was talking to Anthony about this and he was like, I guess with like gay marriage and stuff, it's not even entirely about religion. And it's 
like a lot of our parents generation is kind of against it just because they're honestly confused um it's like a very new concept to them especially growing up in China where everything is a very like homogenous society and I I guess like the social standards are a lot stricter whereas we've been growing up being a lot more exposed to the LGBTQ community right which is not to say that they didn't exist I feel like it's just a more it's more on the forefront of what's been going on lately um which again like I I understand our parents perspective but again it's it goes down to empathy and understanding and just trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes and like try to understand how they feel in the situation but also I think it's interesting thinking about how eventually like society will progress to a point where we're considered conservative and I that that'll be an interesting day (laughs) or maybe it will just go backwards oh god please no (laughs) yeah I think it's like not even religion though like pretty sure the last time I checked the bible doesn't condone hate they just like build a schema of support by selectively choosing evidence that fits their agenda but like I was also thinking about this while you guys were talking and how like a lot of the times our arguments for like these social issues stem from like a moral code and a lot of people's moral code is their religion like that's what they base their moralities off of like they abide by that code very strictly and that's the way that they use to justify these moral arguments right so I think like there is some like validity in them using religion as an argument for like for these moral questions doesn't mean I agree with it, but I think that if you look at it from that perspective, that mm-hmm. these people like follow these religions that strictly, and like this is that's their their like entire moral perspective. I think that 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 makes you think about it a little differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like this idea that there's a universal moral truth, and it's like their duty to enforce it, and you know, I talk about this a lot, like ethic of autonomy versus, I don't even remember what the other two are called, but the other two are usually like, you know, I think it's something like ethic of morality. And it's like the idea that there is a universal moral truth and you need to um, uphold it and also um, have other people uphold it as well. And so I think, and then by like conservatives tend to subscribe to that belief more, well, liberals tend to only use ethic of autonomy so like maybe it's the ethic of autonomy in me but I don't get why people have to enforce their own moral truth for others because Mm -hmm. like I'm okay with like them having you know that standard for morality like I don't really care because it doesn't affect me until they try to enforce that moral truth onto me and then it is affecting me Mm -hmm. I was gonna say the way I was talking about how like people use like selectively use parts of their religion to justify their own moral code. I think like people present themselves under the guise of like subscribing to this religion like very strictly or like this is how like I interpret this religion. But that interpretation stems from like a unique like moral perspective that's that's theirs, right? So I think that idea that like religion is going to justify my like moral ideas like is it's kind of bs because like when you really think about it the way you interpret that religious text like you have to have some sense of like your own moral like truth in order Mm -hmm. to interpret it a certain way and like see that text from a certain light so yeah it's complicated (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, and one of the TikToks that Callie sent, um, the girl was like, just crack open a Bible. It's so easy to misinterpret if you don't read it closely. Like, listen, buddy, there are a lot of different interpretations and you can't just say that yours is the right one. Like, crack open a Bible. Like, I could open a Bible and I'm sure we would come to very different interpretations of like different Mm -hmm. words because like the meaning isn't in the words itself. The meaning is in how you view it and how you use it to live your life. And like Isha said earlier, like I don't get why conservatives are like, the government should be hands off. And then they're like, the government should impose my moral views onto other people. Like you can have one or the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess moving on to the whole idea of national pride. And we've definitely talked about this in previous episodes where a lot of the times patriotism is conflated with nationalism and that's pretty dangerous. And like, I don't really know why Republicans are always the ones to have the American flag up on their wall or like on a car sticker and just like everywhere, but like they really are invested in this country. Actually, I do know why. (laughs) It's because this country has always served their interests at the expense of others. And they always see protesting the government and protesting the status quo as unpatriotic and I was actually watching this right right wing video the other day where this black guy was like this is why I hate black lives matter and one of his core arguments I'm like I don't I don't even know if I could call it an argument because that video was like kind of weak I just I was like "Mm, come back when you like do some research buddy but he was like this is the way we do things around here. And if you don't like it, then you can leave, right? And he was like, I don't want to live in Saudi Arabia where gay people get stoned or in Iran where where women are forced to dress like a ghost. And this is why I love America. And I just just heard that and I was like, there are so many things wrong with this claim that I don't even know where to begin. Like, okay, number one, the racist has stereotypes about Middle Eastern countries. We're just not, we're just gonna put that out there and just leave it at that. But I mean, okay, also I'm, I, I'm personally not black, but do you think that all African-Americans in this country chose to be here? And then I guess the third point is like, we were talking about last time where patriotism should be the idea of people making their voices heard and like participating in democracy, shutting down people's protests uh, out of claims of patriotism is honestly just nationalism because it's blindly accepting the status quo, even when the status quo is not advancing our fundamental, what I believe at least is our fundamental core values of things like equality and justice and true democracy, right? Going back to the first point about the racist stereotypes about the Middle East, this just reminds me of like Aladdin and how like Mm -hmm. they just made an entire country called Agrabah and said like all of the Indian and (laughs) Like Middle Eastern like countries can just be <laughs> combined be one like mass country that represents everyone. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> I mean, also just like if any time anyone criticizes America, they're just a straight up traitor to the country who should just leave. Like, how will our country ever grow and progress? And like in our history, there have been people who've criticized America like, you know, the suffragette movement, the civil Mm -hmm. rights movement, and all these things have caused America to progress. So like, we can't just deny them all as traitors and everyone who's currently trying to affect change as traitors too. Like, it doesn't work like that. And we should want our country to grow. 
but I think that's also maybe the point like people don't want America to grow or to progress beyond like the dark ages of white supremacy um, even if that's not their direct justification mm -hmm. yeah I think a huge part of the problem or I don't want to say the problem is it a problem okay we'll just put it like that but I don't know if it's entirely a problem but it's just a lack of empathy and I really don't want to be harsh and criticizing like all right-wing people but I think that especially for white people privilege is very very invisible to those who have the privilege right and to them it's like air that they breathe and it's been there all along they never see it and it's so natural and so normal and a given that we just don't think about it and because they don't think about it they assume that it's the same for everyone else and that like racial minorities who are protesting to better their circumstances are just complaining and trying to get unfair advantages which again to them would like counter the whole fundamental value of equality but yeah i've seen so many videos online where some white person is talking to like some black person and the white person is like, look, look, buddy, I know what it's like to be oppressed, okay? In the third grade, in the third grade, some kid pushed me in the stairwell and I felt threatened and I feared for my life. So look, I understand what you feel when you feel oppression. And <laughs> oh, there's so, there's so, that just irritates me. But like, if they're not even taking the time to fully listen and understand the black perspective, but just asserting their own views and and like is it really that difficult to practice empathy and open listening and like trying to understand what the black lived experience is like before I don't know just claiming that your version of life and your version of this country is the same thing that everyone else experiences because it's really not it's really not yeah I mean I think it goes back to what we were talking about in our Black Lives Matter episode like mm -hmm you know, it's somehow like if someone else is, if someone else has suffered more than you, somehow that invalidates your own suffering or like invalidates your achievements. And that's really not what it's about. <laughs> but I think that's how a lot of people have seen it. Also, what you said reminds me of the video that you sent us of this right-wing young woman being like, Trump has not taken away any fundamental rights from any group and like the example she used was like transgender people are not allowed in the military that's because they're not in the right mental state and i was just like wait excuse me what like you just said something deeply transphobic to justify a transphobic policy instead of just listening to what actual transgender people are feeling mm -hmm. and i guess but there are so many things that she just assumes that she uses as a basis of her argument without even thinking about it like if she was here i would be like okay sit down and tell me why you think that transgender people quote unquote are not in the right mental state like does she realize how transphobic it is or does she just take that as like an assumption a granted but also i legitimately laughed when i saw that video because like first first of all like trump has not taken any fundamental rights away from any group that's kind of debatable and secondly, like, why is not taking away human rights such a huge accomplishment? Like, honestly, that should be the bare minimum. And she's setting the bar so low, and yet somehow he still fails. Like, okay, but going back to the whole idea of, like, empathy and open listening to understand, I think that also definitely goes back to the polarization and the core division of this country 
and especially in this day and age, right? And if we didn't attach labels of Democrat or Republican or like right and left, like Isha said when we were talking yesterday, we might actually agree with a lot more than we would expect. But because we've attached these labels and these labels have such like an antagonistic meaning to them, we're automatically biased against the quote unquote other side. And when we're listening to them, we're only listening to refute and not to understand, which to be fair, is completely what I was doing when going through all of these TikTok accounts. Um, But I'm sure that a lot of these white people who are saying like, we experience racism too, and we experience oppression too. So it's like, I'm sure that they're not fully listening to Black voices because I think that Black people who are protesting to try to improve their circumstances are just trying to advance their own quote-unquote political agenda to get unfair advantages. But really, I don't think it comes down to politics. I think it comes down to lived experiences and like the system is so deeply broken for so many groups and yet we're still trying to operate within the system in order to enact that change which is a good transition into the next point i guess which we we put down as thoughts about the future of this country civil war yes no imminent <laughs> but yeah i think that this whole election really isn't biden versus trump it's more like trump versus not trump And I think that's the whole idea of like settle for Biden, because honestly, nobody really cares that much about who Biden is or what his policies are, because we just need someone to kick Trump out, right? He's been such a divisive figure that it's really scary to think about the aftermath of this election. Like we were talking about before, if he's sowing so much distrust in our democracy and our system, and, you know, we'll be happy that he's out, but there's a large portion of the country that's going to be so upset. And he's really just egging on the anger and hatred and just not accepting the outcome of this election. Um, So yeah, that's kind of scary, a little terrifying. Yeah, I'm really worried about the unrest that's bound to arise no matter which side Mm -hmm. wins, but also probably more violent unrest if um, Biden wins. like my dad was dismissing my concerns, like, yeah, we, we live in suburban Maryland, like who's gonna riot here? Which like, I guess it's true, but that's also rooted in so much privilege and entitlement to say like, oh, well, it doesn't matter because it won't affect me in my cushy little suburban home. <laughs> and like, the fact is that our country um, might rip apart at its seams. And like, maybe I won't personally be directly affected by violence, but this instability and unrest is deeply harmful to our country and our unity and deeply harmful to a lot of people. So, you know, I think we should be concerned about this. You know, Trump is, you know, he's just on his way out and he's just like, I'm just going to destroy as much as I can before I go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like, I was thinking when Callie brought that point up about how he's just like tearing apart our democracy as he prepares to leave. It feels like a tenant who's been like, not paying rent and then like they get kicked out by their landlord and they're like I'm just gonna trash the place up because you know fuck the landlord and then they just like (laughs) trash the place off and then I saw like this video on Twitter about someone who had to deal with a tenant like that but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was talking to Talon yesterday morning about how even if Biden wins there's so much work to be done and this planet and its people are dying and honestly we've come to a point where we're literally fighting a clock 
and there's a definitive amount of time before there's nothing we can do and we just have to like succumb to the cruel pas- passage of time which seems super morbid but we need- why is that so poetic <laughs> <laughs> we need aggressive reform like now and we mm-hmm. need change that's sustainable Biden is a good transition he's a good first step as we were saying in the beginning of the episode but we have to stay engaged like we can't let the ball drop now and like things are getting like really critical. And I think that's what scared me the most about some people's complacency with four more years of Trump. They were like, oh, if we have four more years of Trump, like we'll not be affected by it. Like, it's okay. Like, we'll just do what we did for the last four years. But the fact of the matter is like, we don't really have four years to spare now. Like now is the time that we really have to buckle down and like make some serious change if we want. Like, a successful future for this country and for this planet so mm-hmm. okay after Isha's very scary message which I also agree with I would like to put out a more optimistic thought to end on um I do think it's good that Biden is pushing a more unifying approach especially after Trump's whole president whole presidency based on division and a lot of the time the two-party system and the polarization is just so counterproductive and I think like, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that Biden said that he would be a one-term president only here to change the tides, which hopefully we're changing in the right direction. But I'm really hoping that we can become less polarized, which will require a lot more empathy and open listening on other side, uh, which, re- which will require a lot more empathy and a lot more open understanding on both sides, which is understandably a skill that is very difficult but needs to be practiced. So if anyone knows anyone who like identifies as Republican who wants to have a conversation with me because I just genuinely want to understand their views like I'm curious. So I think that's the first step just wanting to understand the other side's views. Mm -hmm. So if you know anyone like that, please send them my way. Thanks. (laughs) So thank you guys for listening to Callie's rants about Republicans on TikTok, which we all know is the most reliable source of information. Um, We'll keep our eyes on this election, which hopefully has come to a conclusion by the time we release this, and pray for the best. Hopefully next week we'll be back with rants about things other than politics and the fragmented state of our country and Isha's fantasy of a cogent democracy. (laughs) We're never going to let you live that down, Isha. Oh, no. And And everyone... Please just take care of yourselves as this national drama unfolds. It's a stressful Mm -hmm. time and find some time to like just unplug from politics and relax, honestly. And as always, let us know if you have any thoughts and follow our Instagram at pod.bestbuds. Bye. Bye.